0: I don't know about canceling church on Sunday for Christmas. That just doesn't sound right, does it? This is the reason why we come to church at all is because Jesus was born, right? Uh, I want to say something. If you did not get one of these faith promises, uh, how they work. By the way, last Sunday, the uh, offering total was a little over $7,500 for Kai Alpha. So... (laughs) They they were very excited, and uh, it might there might be more coming in, but uh, um, Josh and his team was very blessed to hear about that response. So um, I guess Alabama had their graduation, so a lot of people are gone. But uh, you're here; it's good to see you. What a moving time of worship! I oh, uh, Holy Night just wrecks me. I don't know if I should just leave the sanctuary and come in after. It's, been sung, but uh, boy, what a powerful song. Um, I've committed this month, including Wednesday nights, to covering the incarnation of Jesus, and um, we had a great review uh, Wednesday night on Isaiah chapter 9, his prophecy. Uh, Of course, that also included Isaiah 7, Um, and so I want to continue that this morning and focusing on searching for Jesus that's the title of this message uh, but like Brad was saying next Sunday is a big day in fact we're going to be clearing the platform right after this service because the kids have their rehearsal so uh, it's going to be as close to um, next Sunday as we can get it for them to practice um, and as far as compassionate friends I um, I attended some of the meetings over uh, at St. Mark's and it is one of the most moving experiences that you will ever have and that's uh, Monday night and you're welcome to come and just uh, view it because it is a very powerful thing that we remember those who we've lost and all of us in this room have lost somebody really, really close to us and um, I, um, I know that pain. Brenda knows that pain. She lost a brother uh, when he was just, what, eight, nine? He was eight years of age and um, uh, was hit by a car and uh, was pronounced dead when they got him to the Gainesville Hospital. So that, that was a wound in that family for a long time, still uh, somewhat of a wound. So um, let's remember those who are going through some tough times because only the Lord, only the Lord can mix our tears with his presence, and make it different. Let me just put it that way, just make it different. Um, And of course, as Brad said, two weeks from today is Christmas Day, and uh, no Sunday school is going to be at a different time. We'll see how many people remember that. Some will get here when we're leaving, and some will be here uh, before we get here, maybe. I don't know, but um, looking forward to that. I'm taking you to Matthew chapter 2. And before I did mean to mention this faith promise, this is what we go by as to identifying what we are going to attempt with God's help to give to missions. And we have 30 plus missionaries that we support. And that includes the entire staff of Chi Alpha here at Alabama, Uh, two couples that are in Auburn that came out of our church that we support. Two couples that headed to Huntsville to launch a Chi Alpha there. We have uh, a Chi Alpha leader in Washington, D.C. We have one in Brussels, Belgium. We have one in Japan. So we have made Chi Alpha one of our priorities, and rightfully so, because that generation needs to hear the gospel, right? So let's jump into Matthew chapter two. If you're there, I'm going to be reading out of the NIV. So Let's check out these 12 verses here in Matthew 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. That's what they said it was to do, right? We've come to worship him. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures, presented the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Well, who were these men? Probably one of the most mystery aspects of the birth of Christ is these guys. We have uh, we have Christmas plays. You remember the late, great potentate? We did that. We did that here, late, great potentate. You know what potentate means, king. Well, they weren't kings. I'm sorry to mess up a Christmas carol, we three kings, but <laughs> that's not true. But uh, when you read articles, you find all kinds of stuff, but these these men have a mysterious connotation to them that just has left... Bible scholars and all the people with more questions than they have answers. Who were they? How many were they? In fact, one of the articles I read, it was in Logos, which is a a very extensive Bible study um, program. Um, Mark Ward wrote the article, What do we know about the three wise men? That's what he titled the article. And his point, too, was... Well, we don't know if there was two or three or four or five. Or, but he titled the article, What Do We Know About These Three Wise Men? We do know this, that magi is in the plural in Matthew 2. So that means that they were more than one. But they had to be more than, I'm just going to go out on a limb. Is it okay? Nobody, you can report me, all right? <laughs> there had to be more than three. There had to be more than five or six or seven. It's no telling how many was in this entourage, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But this this group is associated with those who practice magic but also were deep into astrology. They studied stars. They they predicted things. This This was the group that Daniel and his three friends were being groomed for When Nebuchadnezzar was wanting to pull them, he saw them, he he saw something in them, and this was an elite group. They were trained to be sensitive to things, and we do know that Daniel was way ahead of them because he could interpret dreams and visions from God, not by looking at the stars and not by predicting things, but this was a group that practiced this kind of stuff, and they were really an elite group. So when they went to visit a monarch, it was a big deal. In fact, it was Josephus, who was a very trusted historian in New Testament times, wrote about a group of these men went to see King Herod the Great 10 B.C. This is about six years before this. So they would do this to honor a monarch, but they didn't come by themselves. Some of them had escorts. Some of them had soldiers to protect them. So it's more than likely it was more than three. hate to kind of rain on your uh, manger setting at your Christmas tree, but it had to be more than that. And Daniel was one of those who would fit in this category. So they knew that the birth had taken place. Somehow... How did they know that? You want me to tell you how they know that? I wished I could. I don't know how they know that. <laughs> really, I don't. But they knew that the king of the Jews, not just anybody, they knew there was a fulfillment of prophecy in Jewish history. So how could they have ever come to the idea that a child had been born in somewhere in Israel and they came to Jerusalem, and this is, this, I'm going to express some neat things here in just a moment, but they just had bits and pieces of what this was about. It was about the birth of a child, and he's supposed to be the king of the Jews, but they didn't know exactly where he was born. And maybe Daniel's influence, you think Daniel is not a strategic person. A lot of people read Daniel because of not just his time period, but for our time period, right? Right? And, and he predicted a lot of things. And uh, you put Daniel with Revelation and everybody's figured out in the future, right? <laughs> but Daniel also spoke about the leadership change from Babylon to the Medes and Persians. You remember that? He, uh, the Medes and Persians overthrew the, uh, the Babylon empire and Daniel was escorted from serving Babylon into serving the Medes and Persia. In fact, Cyrus became very good friends and Cyrus, who was the king of Persia, so many people believe that these men and their entourage actually came from Persia and they would remember Daniel's 70 weeks prophecy. Why is that important? Nobody knows the exact time of the eschatology that we have. But Daniel predicted to the very year the death of Jesus, the Messiah, in 70 weeks. 70 weeks. And they probably had that information, and somehow they God gave them a revelation of a star to say it's happened. What Daniel had predicted, that child had arrived. So here they come. They come into Jerusalem and... And I'm going to just give you four points here that kind of feeds off of this. They come into Jerusalem, and guess what? They don't see the star. Isn't that neat? God gets them. Has God ever done that to you? Showed you where to go, and you got there, and you're like, okay, what's where? where's the door at? I thought you was going to open it away for me. So they got there, and they started going around Jerusalem, and I think, Three men probably wouldn't have commanded so much attention, but if you had an entourage of men that looked wealthy, that had a lot of stuff on their camels, and they and they were not from, they were not local. Let's put it that way. And it created a stir not just for Herod, but it said all of Jerusalem was up in arms about this. And they and when Herod found out what was being told, he called them, and you and and we read the scripture. He called them and said, uh, when did you see the star? Well, it was about this time. And he says, well, you go and find him. And, um, and after consulting with the scholars, they said it's going to be in Bethlehem. So what can we learn from these wise men, the, this group of men that was looking for the child that was born but just could not put their finger on exactly where he was at that moment? You ever felt that way? this is the first thing. God does not reveal everything to a searching heart. We can search for the Lord and search for truth and search for him in ways that he will not always answer every question we have. And this is what happened to them. They saw a star, and it was enough convincing to them to pack up an enormous amount of supplies if they indeed came from Persia, which was a good trek, and to have valuables along with them to head to Israel to find a baby that's been born, and what they have is a star. In many ways, we're kind of like, like them. We're, we're looking, we're seeking, we're asking God for advice, and we're not getting it. Any of you been there before? You want him to be expressly clear, Lord, should I do this? This is door in front of me. Should And, and I don't know, some, all of us have probably have a way to say, Lord, if, if, if that's the door in front, I'm in front of me, I'm going through it and you'll have to shut it. Now, that could have some danger to it because <laughs> sometimes we need to find out for sure if that's the door he wants us to go through. But we all seem to want assurances that we're doing the will of God, we're in the will of God. Before I do this, Lord, I need to know how sure this turns out. Do you think he's going to show you what to do? I want guarantees that if I start this way, I want to know exactly what's going to happen. I don't believe God does it that way, does he? He looks for us to have faith. He gives us enough information to say, this is what I'm telling you to do. You go forward and you wait for me to give you more counsel, more wisdom. These men knew enough and was assured enough that they were heading in the right direction, but they really did not know where the king was at, this baby that was born king of the Jews. Here's the second thing. God does not always eliminate obstacles or the presence of evil. You know, there was an obstacle in front of these men, and it was called King Herod. Now, he was an evil human being. He was ruthless he was self-absorbed. I know we don't have anybody like that in government today. But he was he was ruthless. It was anybody that wanted a monarch could say, man, it's tough being under this guy because there was zero room for mistakes with him. He was as soon to kill people or order them to be killed as to consider something else. It was nothing for him. And what he did afterwards in ordering the death of all of those. Boys in Bethlehem, two years old and under, uh, an enormous genocide that took place in Bethlehem. This was him, and he only had a mind to kill that one that they were saying was born king of the Jews. Verse 4 says, when he had called together all the people's chief priests, he knew who to turn to. He knew who would know this, the teachers of the law. He said, where is the Messiah supposed He knew about Messiah. He knew all about the prophecies. And here's in front of him a group of people saying, this is time. This is, this is happening now. So he wants to know. He wasn't ignorant about prophecy. He knew exactly what these men were talking about. And as the scholar said, it's going to be in Bethlehem in Judea. And they referred back to Micah's prophecy. Micah prophesied that Bethlehem, a very insignificant little town other than David's hometown, it was just a bump in the road, just a small community. And even Micah even says as, as that Bethlehem of Judea, well, it's not there, very much of a thing there, very much of a town. That's where Messiah is going to come from. So when Herod called the Magi secretly, found out the exact timing. He sent them to Bethlehem and says, You go find him, and when you find him, you come and tell me so that I can worship him. So after research, they determined that Micah prophesied Bethlehem. And God had other options in all this. Could God have shown these men the star all the way to Bethlehem? And we know that he didn't. He let them be in a place where they had to use faith to trust that there's going to be more information. Think about how many miles they came, but they were not leaving until they saw the one born king of the Jews. And yet there was this evil person that it doesn't seem like they picked that up initially because it sounded to me like the Lord had to tell them, don't go back there, right? Don't go back and tell them where he's at. So, one of the great questions we pose is why does the Lord allow evil to persist around us? Why does He allow bad things to happen in our lives? I know you have never asked that question, right? But sometimes we, we, we're seeing some stuff happening with the Lord. I don't understand this. I don't understand why you're allowing this to happen. And yet He gives us free will, does He not? He gives us the capacity to decide to do things to do, to make mistakes to make the wrong decision and a lot of times these are learning excursions for us but for them he did not remove Herod from their presence he did not remove danger from them he did not remove anything from them that was and it, that was opposing to what they were doing we know that Mary and Joseph were not very well to do they were poor and, and Jesus was born to a poor family. He says, how do we know they were poor? Because in Luke, when they presented Jesus on his dedication, presented him as a covenant child of God, they used pigeons to sacrifice. And pigeons was an exception for those who were poor. So here they are living in Bethlehem. And we really don't know. I, I, I will tell you that Mark Ward said that probably Jesus was still a newborn. Well, who knows? Charles Lynn can say something different since nobody knows. I think he might have been around a year old, maybe a year and a half old, because because according to what he wanted to kill the baby boys, it was two years and under. So this was not, they, they did not show up after the shepherds left. I know it messes up a lot of Christmas plays. Did not happen. The, the Magi wasn't there with the shepherds, you know, on that night of his birth. They went into a house, they saw this couple, saw this baby, they fell down at this child's where he, either in, in a manger he was in or in their arms, wherever it was in the house, they fell down and worshiped him. And so they were aware that when they left there, that something evil was going to be after him when God warned them through an angel, warned them through a dream that they should not go back and tell Herod. So I I want us to remember when we're pursuing God, and we're pursuing the purpose of God, we may not have all the answers, we may not have everything that we need in life, but God is going to wait and see if we're willing to take what faith we have and put it to use right and i'm sure there's decisions you made in your life that there was some consternation some second guessing it was that way for me to go to bible college i i I want i i really did not want to but i was too afraid not to because when you have enough of the revelation of god there's this fear of disobeying him you might not know exactly if this is what you need to obey, but you sometimes know what no sounds like from the Lord. I've said that before. I may not always know what yes sounds from the Lord, but I have heard no a couple of times. And there was no way anybody was going to force me to do what they wanted me to do. One was I was elected as a pastor in Sykeston, Missouri and should have never been there candidating for that pastor because sitting on the platform, you probably heard this before if you haven't, the Lord said to me, what are you doing here? And it was, it was so real. I was like, what? I haven't called you here. I was pastoring Jackson, Assembly of God at the time. Nobody knew who was in Sykes, Missouri. And I said, what? Well, I haven't called you here and they were out there voting in the sanctuary. And I looked at Brenda and says, we can't, we can't do this. What do you mean we can't do this? God just told me on the platform that I'm not supposed to be here. Well, you should've, I said, I wish I'd known that before, I can't. I, 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 yeah, I, yeah, it'd been a lot easier for me. That man's about to open the door and I hope that they said, sorry, you didn't get elected. <laughs> he opens the door and says, congratulations, you're a new pastor. I said, I am so sorry. God just told me just a few minutes before I got up to preach, what are you doing here? I haven't called you here. And I'm sorry. I said, what am I supposed to tell them? I said, I don't know. I don't know. I cannot accept it. I know. See, I can tell you, I know what no sounds. They could have put a gun to my head it says, fire away, buddy. I'd rather take, take a bullet than do what I heard God say not do. And he said, well, can you just say you'll pray about it? Well, I can go in there and tell the people he's going to pray about it. I said, well, I can pray about it. He said, well, good. I'm going to go in there and tell them you're going to pray about it. But before we got too far out of Missouri, I stopped at a rest area. This is how far back. Went to a pay phone because I could not get peace until I call that man back and says, I cannot come. This is not the will of God. And there's a lot of things I've learned the hard way, and that was one of them that I really missed God in even going up there. And God gives us that space, does he not? If he wants you to do it, if if you want to do it, let me put it this way. (laughs) Not that he wants you to do a stupid thing. But if you want to do a stupid thing bad enough, he's going to let you do a stupid thing. And for you to say, Lord, you need to stop me before I do this. No. If you're not sure, don't do it. And this is one of the lessons. They knew that they were called to be there to give this family treasures and to lay gold at the feet of poor people because they had the king of the Jews laying in front of them. It's like the lyrics to the song, O Holy Night, the king of kings was there lying in a manger. The king of the Jews was right there in front of them and they would just load that child up with treasure. Here's the third thing. God reveals more as we continue to walk in faith. God will give us more. And show us more. Once these men were given direction, they were on to Bethlehem. And you know what happened? That star that they didn't see, after they got the news at Bethlehem, they turned around and there was the star again. How about that? Showed up again. And it just didn't show up again, it went to a specific location in Bethlehem and stopped over the very house. Here's what I think. If these men had a big entourage, how could they have just went into a little town of Bethlehem without being, you know, being the big news? And everybody's showing up. Look at these guys. Well, you can only see a star when at night. And when they headed to Bethlehem, It was almost like God was secretly bringing these men with their treasure to a house where Mary and Joseph and Jesus was at and showed them exactly. Now, here's here's a possibility here. They may have been the only ones to see a star. It might have been just something for them. Or if it was a star, an actual star that hovered over that house at night, Maybe in the middle of the night, they went there, did their worship, gave that treasure, got up, got back on their animals and headed out just the way God wanted them to be. That they were not supposed to be the story. It was that baby in the manger that was the story. And what did they get out of all this? You ever wondered what they did when they got back home? I have a feeling that uh, they felt pretty good when they got back. But I also have a feeling that people wouldn't believe what they just could experience. They saw him that is born king of the Jews kneeling in front of a poor couple, giving them treasures way beyond price. Here's the last thing. You know, God is always ahead of the devil's plan. God is always ahead. His plan is always ahead of the plan of the enemy. And maybe I should back up and say, you know what, the devil really doesn't have a plan. He's just an opposer to God's plan. Every single thing about the adversary that we know as the devil, Satan, is dedicated to opposing the purpose of God. You know, in Spanish, devil is Diablo. And they got that from the Greek word for devil, diabolos. Balos means to throw, and dia means to throw against. And the very nature of the devil is to oppose everything that's righteous. Nothing of its own. It's just everything of righteousness, everything that's holy, everything that's pure. This is why... Sin corrupts everything about human nature. It opposes the purpose of God. It opposes the integrity, the chastity, the value, everything that's precious and true about God's plan for us. The devil opposes that. And so he's way ahead of whatever the enemy is trying to do. God is way ahead of it, isn't he? When people of power are scared of a baby, Think about how Herod reacted. He's king. This man had built the temple that Jesus and his disciples would visit. He was the one that built amphitheaters. He he had anything he wanted, but here was the showing of his weakness. He was scared of a baby that was born in Bethlehem. Jesus said, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be open to you. You know, you can ask without moving, and you can knock without moving, but you can't seek unless you move. Seeking for Jesus, searching for him requires movement. Longing for him. But when you seek, you have to leave the confines of comfort, of security. You need to pack for the journey and weather the storms that come your way. All of those people, they got filled with the Holy Spirit in the Zeusa Street all of a sudden were called to the mission field and they didn't even have an organization they were part of. Some of them got on trains and took a train all the way to New York Harbor and waited for somebody to help them for their passage to China. Didn't know a lick of Mandarin Chinese nothing. And so well that wasn't very wise. Well there's a lot of missionaries did things that in our minds aren't very wise. But did that handicap God? Did that handicap God in any way providing for them in their innocent faith to believe that when they got there, they would learn the language and God would provide contacts for them and they would be able to be the people of God that he's chosen to witness to people there in China? And they did that. Isaiah 55, 6 says this, and the praise team can come up if they will. Like I said, searching for Jesus, searching out the Lord, you have to move. You have to move from one place to another place. You have to be more serious about being filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're waiting for everything to fall into place for your next surge of spiritual growth, you just got to start seeking after him, seeking his face. Isaiah said this, wrote this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Seek and you will find. The Magi did that. Seek, searching for Jesus. In the mid-1990s, just after we arrived here as pastor, a revival broke out Brownsville Assembly of God in Florida Steve Hill great great testimony great missionary to Argentina now with the Lord it's been with the Lord for a number of years people came from all over the world there were lines waiting for church building to open. Can you fathom that? Services would go, they would take an intermission at about an hour and a half into the service. Frank Cochran and I went down to check it out. My first invite was by Raymond. Raymond told me, you had an uncle or somebody that got saved. Right, Raymond? At Brownsville? And we were supposed to go in some hurricane. That's the, only thing, that's the only thing that interrupted the Brownsville revival. <laughs> hurricane came into the panhandle of Florida. But f- Frank and I was there and I, I, I remember thinking, well, this is this is a revival about intimacy with God. This, This is all about intimacy with Christ. This is all about Jesus. It's not about Steve Hill. It's not about John Kilpatrick. It's really about Jesus. But in my mind, when they said, we're going to take a break here, like an hour and a half into the service, preaching hadn't started yet, I'm thinking half the people here are going to be gone. (laughs) Nobody left about another hour and a half and they got to the altar time and they would have this young lady to come up and sing Mercy Seat. You can find it on YouTube. Brownsville Revival. Mercy Seat. And it was like people running from a fire that was in the foyer watching them hit the altar by the droves. Boy, do we need a new hunger for God. Do we need a new thirst for him? Would you stand with me? You know, there there just might be some here that says, Lord, I need more. missing. I need more. I need more of you. I I need something's out of place here, Lord. A seeking heart will still be finding him without a star. Still be looking without an obvious revelation from him. And I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning to or something's missing with me. I don't know what it is. what that is to us the hunger of our souls the thirst that's inside our spirit the water, the nourishment from heaven, we are not complete, there's something incomplete about us Lord help us to move towards you this morning and if that is you, I want you to just step out from where you're standing and come and stand here across the front I need you Lord I need more of you I, I don't even know how maybe to open my life to you but there's something missing in me please please fill me today Lord I open my heart to you I open my soul to you I long for you I long for your presence and for your power